Welcome. Conspiracy junkies, in a world where independent thought has become a rarity, and the majority seeming trapped in a programmed existence, corporate entities led by shadow elites have become hungry for control. We are living in a time where genuine truths are often met with ridicule and dismissed as outlandish conspiracy theories. Those who dare to challenge their malevolent agenda are systematically silenced. However, amidst this pervasive mass delusion, there emerges a courageous figure who is willing to stake his life to defy these reptilian overlords and unveil the concealed realities. That individual is Catalyst Jones. So fasten your seatbelts as we embark on a journey that will take us through the rabbit holes of hidden truths and uncomfortable discoveries. I give you the White Rabbit Podcast. Welcome, fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones. Y'all know what time it is. I'm never going to disappoint, and I got one of the hottie, hottiest, hottest heavy hitters in the game right now. Um, I've known about this guy for a long time, ever since Sean Chris was the um, the co-pilot of this here vessel, and he would always talk about this guy named Esoteric Eddie, and then Esoteric Eddie came on my radio. I'm like, I got to check this guy out. He just dropped a book called Crystal Lattice Mind Illusion. I had to listen to it twice and I still don't get it. So I'm talking to him right now and we're going to have him here and explain this shit to us. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow truthers and conspiracy junkies, please help me welcome Esoteric Eddie. How are you doing, brother? What's up? What's up? Uh, Thank you for uh, having me and I'll take the uh, hottie compliment any day. (laughs) <laughs> that is well you know fuck it i guess i'm a closet homosexual i just didn't even know about it <laughs> so man I'm, I'm like super excited to have you on um you your mind is i mean that that i can only dream of being able to just hyper focus on these things that you do but um even in this last book you you kind of talk about how people don't um some people have inner monologue and some people don't have inner monologue. I'm one of those people that has like seven or eight of them going on at once. And yeah. so for me to be able to like super focus on something and spend as much time as you spend on your projects, man, I just, I salute you in doing what you do. And I also thank you because if it wasn't for people like you, then ADHD motherfuckers like myself wouldn't be getting this information. So thank you, brother. Uh, no worries, so, man. Just doing, doing what I got to do. Hell yeah. So you, this is the first time that you are on my show. So before we jump into your book and what it is that you do, man, um, I always like, well, first off, who are you and and what do you do? Sure. Yeah. So I'm known as Esoteric Eddie. Um, You can just call me Eddie. And as of right now, I am an author, uh, a documenter, content creator. And um, apart from that, I'm also a plumber. And I like to add that because it's also a huge part of my life. And it's also what makes a lot of this possible. Um, but uh, I've been doing uh, all of this, mostly with the, the content side of things for about 15 years, you know, uh, give or take. I've, I've been uh, researching, studying and, and expressing my, my knowledge through different art forms for the past 15 years. But the Esoteric Eddie brand, if you will, is uh, only it's about two years old, a little less than two years old. So all three of my recent books and 
countless documentaries and videos that I've been putting out under this name have only been coming out under the recent uh, two years. That is insane, brother. All that content, the, the incredible content that just goes into great detail less than two years. I, I just, my brain can't fathom that. A and you're a plumber. I, I just, how do you have time to even go to sleep? Please tell me you don't have children or a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I, all I have is one little pup, one little dude. He's been with me for, for 10 years now. But it's been a lot of sacrificing, man. Like, as I have to uh, be very regimented about my time. You know, every single day I have a schedule um, that I try to follow. But it's also just having to make a lot of sacrifices. You know, I've had to cut people out of my life and um, cut certain things out of my life. And, and just kind of every moment of my life now um, is basically, you know, orchestrated to be uh, going towards a bigger goal. Yes. Yes. And if I'm not, I feel the same way, man. And I kind of find myself beating myself up all the time. If I'm like just uh, standing still, I call it dead air, right? When you're doing a podcast, I'm like, oh shit, dead air, somebody talk. And when I'm doing, <laughs> if I'm like doing something around the house, I find myself like staring at the TV for too long. I'm like dead air. And I, and I have to get up and like do something that's productive. I don't know. And that's recent, man. That's, that's a uh, very recent that I've been able to hone in on that. So one other question before we get into it, and I ask every single newcomer on the show, what was your first oh shit moment that ripped you out of the matrix? Man, um, I would have to say it's a story that I tell pretty much on almost every podcast because it was that moment for me. But I grew up in a religious family, both Catholic and Christian. And I uh, believed, you know, in, in God and the, and the devil and all these things strictly from that perspective. And I still do to a certain extent, but it's just shifted. Um, but growing up in that environment, you know, I was heavily indoctrinated into Christianity. And my grandpa on my mom's side, who used to be a pastor, but fell out of the church after going through some complications, had told me at one point that he had seen a UFO. And that alone blew my mind because it was like, that's, that's wild. You know, somebody in my family has seen a UFO. That's cool. But what really blew my mind about it was when I had asked him, you know, okay, well, how does that, what do you think about God now? And he paused and looked at me and took a big, he took a long drag from his cigarette, exhaled and said, I don't know. And so for, and I was about eight to 10 years old when that happened. And so to be that young in a family that was religious and to hear my grandpa, my elder, tell me that he'd seen a UFO and that that had made him question God, made me realize that there was a whole lot more going on in this in this world. And that was just one instance. I mean, I've had a lot of experiences since then, psychedelic, non-psychedelic, um, that have definitely showed me that there is way more to life than what we've been led to believe. Man, that's awesome, brother. I would... I mean, I have my red pill moment where I realized that uh, the presentation that was being played in front of me wasn't real as far as like the political theater and all of that shit. But yeah. but I also have a different awakening, much like yours, with the religion aspect and, and just knowing that I'm a conscious being. Actually, I think that was the biggest thing is like realizing that I am a conscious being. And And I remember crying one day really young and it was between kindergarten and second grade i only know that because the house that i was in and i know that yeah. i was in the house through those grades 
And my mom was like, why are you crying? And I was like, because I don't want to die. And she was like, Brad, you're not going to die. And I was like, yes, I am. Someday I am going to die. <laughs> and so like it was at that point I, re I was really questioning things. And my mom grew up in and out of the Jehovah's Witness um, cult. And so I was halfway indoctrinated and then not indoctrinated. And she would like keep going in and out of it through my upbringing. And so I saw a lot of hypocrisy within just that church itself. And so I would say that that was a different uh, red pill moment, but that definitely gripped me at a very, very young age. Um, so to piggyback off of that, man, I am so, I'm so intrigued with your work and, and just your thought process and stuff. And so a lot of questions that I get and I mean, I, I, I really decided what was the first question I was going to ask you about your book, because I mean, I could, I could say Fibonacci, Fibonacci sequence or uh, Carl Jung or anything like that. But you know what? I have so many people that uh, I go on their show and they're like, what is the matrix? And I'm like, man, if you ask 10 people, you're going to get 10 different answers. But I know after, after going through your book twice, you have you have a really good perspective on it. I think that's a good place to start unless you have a better place. No, I think that's a great place to start as well, yeah. Okay, so what is the matrix? <clears throat> All right. So we have our entire universe is a matrix, you know, and a matrix in general is uh basically just a system that's comprised of smaller moving parts. And the smaller moving parts are what really make up the entirety of the bigger structure or bigger system. You know, that's a matrix. You know, if like a, a video game is a matrix um, because it's got you got the software and the hardware, but both of those make the, the experience of, of the video game. So that's a matrix. Now, the matrix that we live in <clears throat> is uh, a system that has been put together primarily by globalists um, within the past two to 300 years. And they have, uh, through their international organizations and international agendas, have slowly moved us into the one world government or one world system matrix. And in that matrix is what I call in my book, the central reality, because we all have individual realities that we deal with on a daily basis. But then there is the central reality um, that all of these individual globalists and governmental corp corporatocratic uh, systems are trying to uh, build or trying to indoctrinate us into as if it is the, the one and only reality. And they do this also through different networks, different entertainment systems. So all these different moving little parts that are trying to just indoctrinate us into the central reality, the central matrix, so that we are all, so that we are all thinking the same and moving the same. Yeah, I could, that that's a great way to put it. Um, a lot of people will go to the Truman Show, but I love the way that you put it because that is the central reality, because that is the one thing that we all have in common with each other. And, you know, like, um, I, I think we were talking before um, we started recording and I was talking about how in your book, you talk about how some people have inner monologue and some people don't. And this is something that I just recently found out that people, some people don't. And it shocked me. 
and I'm like, oh fuck, are those are those the NPCs? Is that what people mean by NPC? So I wanted to ask you that. Is that is that what you were inferring to in there? Because you didn't come out and say these are your NPCs. I mean, it's possible. That wasn't my goal when I when I covered it in the book, but it would be an interesting thing to think about. Um, but the whole inner monologue uh, thing, which is very fascinating, has more so to do with in my book has more so to do with the idea that the subconscious mind used to play a much larger role in our daily lives um, because we are very multifaceted beings. You know, we have a mind and a body to begin with. And even that alone is, is a trip. And even that alone is a complexity worth investigating, you know, that we have a mind and a body. But even those two major parts have a lot of different parts within them. You know, we all know that the body has hundreds, if not millions of different parts that make up its entirety, including the cells and whatnot. But the mind, most people think the mind is actually just one unit as well, but it's not. The mind actually has, a, has at least two units the conscious and the subconscious. And now before we get into that, um, just out of, uh, you know, just, just to get onto the NPC idea or just to add to it, uh, the other day I came across something and this isn't in my book or anything, but this is just uh, something that I came across that kind of made sense to me. It was like, there's an idea, I forgot what uh, system of philosophy or esotericism this comes from, but there's an idea, I think in Kabbalah, that there are only a certain number of souls that can be uh, handed out or, or given at a certain number of, at a certain time period. And um, if the human population exceeds that number of souls that, they can, that can be handed out, then there are people who are being born without souls. And so that had me thinking, you know, that could also play a role in this whole NPC thing. I think that maybe, you know, among us, there are people who can be what we call soulless or can be uh, something that is just not natural, you know, specifically with the way that the government and all these different organizations over the decades have been slowly, slowly changing us, slowly changing our DNA, slowly changing our hormones and, and literally changing us from natural homo sapiens into a new transhuman thing. And so I think once we start doing that and start tapping into nature and messing with it, that's when we start creating NPCs and they might not be like just straight up robots or like Sims who only have a certain set of, of, you know, statements they can say or whatever, but it might be something deeper than that in that they aren't fully organic humans. They are just an amalgamation or a creation of something inorganic and, and man-made. And dude, everything that you talk about is just so fucking incredible. It makes sense. But at the same time, it, it's like ways that I never looked at it before. So in, in retrospect, like when I look at these certain topics that you talk about, I can't wrap my head completely around them. And then to hear you describe them, I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. But then it adds like 30 more questions, right? It's like, you know, um, so I don't want to get too much into the NPCs, but I, I really want to know what it is that you were looking into that sparked your interest to uh, dig into 
like what what were you looking into and you were like you know what this is just way too much information i need to write a book like i i just need to write a book for sure i mean i've been writing since i was a kid so like i love writing and it's just something that i'm always going to be doing and it's something i've always been doing um and so last year i had dropped my my lucifer book the lucifer mystery revealed and then shortly after that midway throughout last year i dropped my anunnaki book and so after i dropped those two books i kind of had a time period where i got to sit back and, and think about my next move you know what was my next project going to be and at the time towards the end of last year i thought my next book was going to be um about werner von braun and his prophecies about the fake alien invasion that's what i was getting ready to write about i was like okay you know why not um but one day there was a moment where i basically got a flash of this crystal lattice mind illusion book. I was at work as a plumber and I was underneath the sink, just fixing the sink. And, and, um, I don't know where I just, I got a flash. I got a flash of the book in my mind. I saw the entire book. I saw the title of the book, the, even the color scheme of the front cover and everything. And it wasn't abnormal, um, to me because I've had moments like that. And I've always loved psychology. I've always loved consciousness. I've been into that stuff for many, many years. And um, so I just saw it all in that moment. And I just knew, you know what, now this is going to be the book. This is going to be the next book. And so all it took was really for me to just sit down and further organize this, this flash or this download. So once I sat down and organized the thoughts, organized the outline, then I just went to work. That's awesome, brother. And that segues right into my next question. What is Crystal Lattice Mind Illusion? All right. I actually got a verbatim definition here from the book. I think that will be the best way to, to answer that. So <clears throat> the Crystal Lattice Mind Illusion is the concept that reality is comprised of the physical and non-physical working in conjunction to construct our universe. The crystal lattice part of it is the fact that both the physical and non-physical operate from code system. The mind illusion aspect has to do with the conflict of neglecting to realize that we are more than just the physical. Uh, and, yeah, I love it. Um, so with everything that you have uh, gone through, you're still you're still leaning Christian. You're you're a Christian uh, and based at least. And would you say that through your research, you have a grasp on what consciousness or and a soul is, or do you think that the more you look into it, the more questions you have? I feel like I have more of a grasp now. Listening to and your books, I think you do as well. I just I wanted to hear what you had to say. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel like I have more of a grasp, but that's a dangerous thing to feel and think, you know, um, and I think only I only think that it's dangerous because of the guilt for me, at least that comes with comes with that, you know, like I have this <laughs> default Christian and Catholic guilt of, of uh, thinking that I can understand life and understand reality, apart from what the Bible tells me, you know, but um I think the Bible is a great place to start and it can be the only place to look for certain people. But for me, 
um, it was just the place to start. And I believe that, you know, if there is a God in this, the Judaic Christian concept of it, it would actually, it actually wants me or it's, it wants me to do this work. And this is what I was called to do is to dig further and, and uh, explain these things to, to new heights. So you said earlier, you said, that's when I got that download. Um, when you get downloads like that, what do you associate those with? Because a lot of people will call those downloads. They will say, well, God told me, God told me that I need to do this. I need to focus on that. You didn't, you didn't say God told me, you said I had that download. So what do you associate those downloads to? I mean, it, it could very much well be God. Um, in that moment, it was nothing more than that, really. It was just a flash. I didn't really question where it came from. Um, there are there have been other moments in my life where I had stuff like that happen where I kind of questioned it. Um, but <clears throat> in that moment, I didn't really question it because I felt like it was just coming from a deeper part of myself, really, more than anything, you know, because we're starting to understand at the quantum level that, um, you know, time is, time is not linear. And so there is a future self, there's a past self, there's a present self, and there are probably alternate dimension selves. And so I think sometimes these flashes, and maybe this one in particular, just simply came from a deeper part of my own self. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can totally get that. I've been uh, actually the first time I listened to your book, a YouTube uh, commercial came up and I, I can't remember who they were talking about. It I actually watched the whole half hour thing because it was so interesting. And it was it was talking about how to like manipulate your mind into different subconsciousnesses and and how to harness that. And And I don't know if they were talking about I can't remember and I'm going to fuck this up. It was either Tesla or it was Edison and it. And it might not have been either one of them, but a high profile thinker like that, even though Edison was just a fucking rip off anyway, um, used to take his naps holding a metal ball in his hand and would lay on the sofa in a way so that when he would doze off, he would drop the ball and it would make such a loud noise that he would get startled and wake back up. And he would continue that process to go in and out of sleep. And he was able to, um, harness some sort of subconsciousness that was able uh, consciousness that was able to help him solve things and figure things out that he was like just so stressed out about it and couldn't get over and he would take these naps and then he would just get back on the drawing board and be like oh there it is uh, have you looked into any of that at all yeah actually um i mentioned that i think in my recent book or one of the books but uh a lot of, like, like you said, you know, big thinkers have had similar experiences. Like Tesla would do the same thing. Like Tesla would kind of sit back and visualize everything first and then put it to paper. Einstein would do something similar. He would meditate to a certain extent. He would meditate a lot, a lot of his ideas first. Um, but that's a common theme. And a lot of, a lot of uh, big thinkers throughout the, throughout the years and, and a lot of inventions, a lot of the stuff came through flashes or dreams where we would be surprised at least to find that a lot of things like that, a lot of big inv inventions and stuff like that have come through the means of flashes and dreams and revelations and stuff like that. Yeah. I get a lot of things through my dreams too. And actually recently I, I was dealing with a problem and I woke up in the morning and I was like, Oh shit. I, 
I know exactly what I need to do. And how many times, I don't know if you have, but I wake up sometimes and I'll think of ideas for my show or an idea to make a video about or something. And I, it just, I wake up and it's like, comes to me out of nowhere. Um, dreaming. Do you think, do you think that that is, what the fuck is dreaming, man? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, well, Again, there are different levels to the mind. And I think we need to start there first because then everything else starts to make a little more sense. And so in my book, I kind of demonstrate and break apart um, the conscious from the subconscious. And what we now know is that the subconscious is the deeper part of ourself. It is where the program resides. And it is what I call the part of us that is closest to God. It is our higher self. And so the subconscious is where everything starts. And that's also why the, you know, shadowy elite, if you will, always try to attack us subliminally and subtly through the subconscious, because that's where the programs reside. That's where things can really take effect. No so shit. Yes, absolutely. Yep. That makes 120 fucking percent. <laughs> makes absolutely. So whatever program resides in the subconscious, the conscious is going to act out and download and toggle through as reality. And with that, we also now know that there are different dimensions. And I point that out in the book. For example, there are two scientists by the name of uh, Vernon Nepp and Ed Close who are, you know, very, very highly respected academicians who are old dudes who have spent decades looking at consciousness and the theory of physics and quantum physics and all of that. And in 2011, they came up with a new theory of physics. And the reason they did that is because they realized that the Einsteinian model no longer explained the phenomena around us. Um, it could no longer explain some of the quantum some of the things that were happening at the quantum level. So they had to go back and redesign the entire model of physics. And when they did that, they found that it could only be explained with what we know now, if we uh, incorporate a nine dimension universe that is encapsulated in an infinite uh, universe. And so we know we have different dimensions. We know that we have two compartments of the mind and we know that the subconscious is the mind that is most tapped to that infinite realm and for since the beginning of time our ancestors and, and different humans and different mystics have talked about you know these different dimensions and these higher realms and heaven and infinity and in a cia document which i cover in the book too titled analysis and assessment of the gateway process the cia concluded after uh looking at the work of Robert Monroe, who uh, built this institute called the Monroe Institute, which still exists today, which can teach you how to lucid dream, how to astral project and so forth. Uh, this, is, that, this is what Men Who Stare at Goats was based off of, correct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was uh, based on Project uh, Sunstreak. No, Project yes. Stargate. Project Stargate. Stargate. Uh, but the number one uh, guy in that program uh, studied at the Monroe Institute. And so in the CIA paper that studied Monroe and, and what he did, they concluded that, again, we, we live in a, in a 
dimensional universe, a multi-dimensional universe that has an infinite universe, and that and they uh, it concluded that through these different dimensions exists um, other beings, other beings, and so what I think is that the dream world is just another one of these dimensions. It's probably the dimension closest to the one that we are in. And, and in this dream dimension, I think, is where all of our excess or, or random thoughts and fetishes and nightmares kind of just go. That's where they go to reside. And we can go there as well. And it's kind of like an information basin. You know, it's kind of like just an extra, uh, it's, yeah, it's an extra place of knowledge that we can glean from. But outside of that, there are even other dimensions that I think are even weirder and crazier. I think, for example, I believe that the DMT realm is a dimension all in its own self. I think that it's an actual place. And that's why a lot of people have similar trips and similar experiences. And I actually know some people who have taken DMT together and have gone to the same place. And so I, I believe that the dream world is just another one of these dimensions that we can go to. It's just that we are kind of like locked out as of right now. We're not able to fully and fully enjoy it, fully experience it. Yeah, man, I, I find it crazy. And when I'm dreaming, I will be around people and I've and I know them. It's like I, I'm with beings that I know. But yet, like, I don't know these people, you know, like I'll wake up and I'll be like, who the fuck was that? But like, I've known them my entire existence and shit. But yeah. my my dreams are always so frantic that I almost hate going to sleep because I'm either trying to save somebody or I'm trying to save myself from something crazy. That's like out to get me and the people that I'm trying to save around me. But I yeah. do have incredible dreams too, where I can like fly and I do like all these amazing things, but it's crazy in my flying dreams too. It's almost like I'll see like somebody that I knew from high school and I'll be like, dude, check this out. And I can't do it anymore. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've had at least one instance, one lucid dream where I found somebody else who was sharing that same dream with me. It was a really weird experience. I remember I was kind of like cruising around and there was like a party and I was lucid dreaming. So like, I was excited. I was like, yes, like I'm in the dream. Like I was cruising around having fun. And I saw this one dude, this younger guy across the room and he was just looking down, looking at him, looking at himself, looking around, like just so confused and like bewildered. And so I went up to him. I remember going up to him and like grabbing him by the shirt. I'm like, yo, like, like, are you real? Like, are you real? And he was just like, yo, I don't know, man. Like, just, just chill, just chill. That's what he said to me. He was like, I don't know. Just chill, just chill. And I was like, no, you're real. Like you're, you're here too, huh? And like, I was just so excited. Like, this is wild. And that then, sounds uh, like so many music festivals I've been to. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I know it kind of, that, that's kind of a, should tell us maybe this world is a dream, man. I don't know. But uh, I just, I was just, it was so real. That moment was so real, dude. And like that, that kid was like freaking out. And like, so that was one of the few instances where, where uh, I for sure think that that, uh, that person was sharing that dream with me. Man, that's awesome. I don't know if I've had that experience or not. I've definitely had dreams where real people are in them, even celebrities. So, so then I'm like, oh no, that's just because I fantasize about that person or whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, I used to be big into occultism. And so when Kesha came out and I saw all the occultism like around her, I'm like, ooh, I'm going to marry that chick. <laughs> that was when I, my mind was in a totally different place. But um, yeah. <laughs> so 
man. So you think, I, I think that too. I think that dreams is an actual place that we do go to. I really do think that. And that's awesome to hear that you think that as well, man. We can go so many places with this because you talk about everything from like Carl Young UFO, the Fibonacci. I can't not, I cannot say that shit. The Fibonacci <laughs> sequence. Uh, we were just talking about interdimensional. So let's go there because you talk about like the archons and the Demi urge and, do you feel like those are things that were able to actually come from that dimension into our dimension? Like, <clears throat> yeah. So let's, let's start with, with the archons, right? So like the archons, that idea of course comes from Gnosticism, which to me, Gnosticism is an extent of the Judaic Judeo Christian mythologies, you know, or world view, if you will. So the Gnostics, are the ones who wrote about the archons and uh the story of it goes according to the gnostics that there was a god there was a creator and that this creator um had created a, a first set of like consciousnesses or or angelic beings if you will and one of these was sophia and sophia kind of uh a strayed away from that heaven where the original god and its original angelic beings resided and Sophia, as she strayed away, attempted to use her own creative powers to create uh, a being. And the being that she created was the Demiurge. And the Demiurge came out deformed and ugly and monstrous because she didn't have that full power to create something very beautiful and, and pristine and, and natural like God. And so uh, seeing that, she was spooked, scared, and and left it alone and kind of went back to heaven. And that being, the Demiurge, um, grew up and thinking that it was God. And it created its own set of creatures. And those creatures and beings that it created were the Archons, its helpers. And the Demiurge and the Archons created their own universe. And that universe they created, according to the Gnostics, is the one that we live in. And uh, archons in Greek simply means rulers. And so this idea of like these celestial demons, you know, is, is, is in every culture. And many of us in life have had paranormal experiences. I've had paranormal experiences. I've known, I know plenty of people who have had them as well. And so there is something to the spiritual realm idea. But um, in my book, I talk about what is titled the reptilian brain network and the archons. And the reptilian brain network is basically anybody or any group of people, even our own self, who basically seeks to um, keep us trapped in our reptilian brain. And I mean our physical reptilian brain. Because our brain has different facets of itself. And the primal part of our brain, the, the part of our brain that, that uh, controls and facilitates our primal instincts is what is known as the reptilian brain. And so again, the reptilian brain network is any person or organization that seeks to subtly keep us trapped in that function of our brain. And as we know, you know, there are plenty of Illuminati-esque, you know, governments out there and, and organizations whose sole agenda is to do that. 
And so the reptilian brain network utilizes archons to do that. Now, again, archons just means rulers. And to me, the archons are just a part of a Judeo-Christian extensive mythology. Um, but there are unseen forces in our life that we can call archons that do affect us. And one big example of that, as I point out in the book, uh, is depression. Depression is a force. It's an unseen force. And it grips our lives and it sucks the soul out of our bodies. And depression keeps us in the reptilian brain. And what's interesting about, about depression, um, as I speak in the book, uh, we now are starting to understand it differently. Depression used to be thought of as like an emotion. You know, you watch a movie, you're sad. No, it's different than that. You know, sadness is an emotion. Again, you watch a movie or something, you become sad. It's an emotion. It's a feeling. But depression is what uh, neuroscientists and such are now call a global state of consciousness. A global state of consciousness is a state of consciousness that affects your entire physiology. For example, being in a comatose is a global state of consciousness because that affects your entire body. Depression is now considered to be a, a global state of consciousness. When somebody is clinically depressed, that their, their consciousness and their mind and their entire body is being altered and they are now operating from a much lower level. And so depression um, is uh, induced or instigated by unhealthy eating, unhealthy entertainment, you know, fear, all these different things that we're flooded with every day from the reptilian brain network. And so the archons around us are these forces that control us and how we think on a daily basis. Yes. And, and man, and that also leads into, um, addiction and you and you cover that as well in in your book um so i, I don't want to get off depression too quickly because there's so many people that listen to this show that dive down these rabbit holes that stay on instagram way too long i used to be one of them and um that will that will take away your your higher consciousness from you it will actually cause you to go into a state of depression um so we need it we I just, I just, this is just a disclaimer, man. We need to take the time to, to get away from this, this podcast and podcasts like these um, every once in a while and just put your fucking feet in the grass, take the earbuds out and, and just listen to the sounds of the earth and really fucking ground yourself and get back that, that high vibration that you need to get because it's so fucking important. And, and, you know, researching for shows and putting out content and stuff it, it takes a toll on us. And I think it's really important that people do that. And that was just a little uh, disclaimer side, whatever. I just wanted to fucking say that because you reminded me of that. Um, and, and I get depressed all the fucking time, man. And then I'm just, I find myself like not putting out content because I'm just like, oh, I don't want to do it. And it's like, all I really needed to do was go for a hike. And then I feel like, great. I'm like, oh, fuck, dude, I'm going to bang out this tonight and like, you know, do whatever I need to do. Like, so it definitely plays a toll in everything that you eat. I, I think it's great that people are waking up to the things that we've been putting in our body is keeping us from reaching these higher, higher states of mind and beings. Um, and also we were talking about 
these different uh, dimensions and you had mentioned DNT and we were just talking about depression. So I think that goes perfectly into addiction, which I had Amanda Ray on. She calls her, uh, she goes by the cosmic healer and um, she speaks very highly of Ibogaine to, um, to help rid yourself of basically any addiction that you have. And it's going through your book. I'm like, man, that makes sense because you're able to separate from central reality into this other state of being and realize like what is really important so that when you go back to central reality, you're like, <laughs> that doesn't, it doesn't even affect me anymore. What are you talking about? Yeah, so, man. so I, I think that's awesome that you bring up, you bring that up. And I was curious, Hey, have you applied that yourself? Did you ever battle with any sort of addiction and, and use that? And not Ibogaine itself, but just being able to channel your, your own consciousness with a different um, state, of, state of reality. Yeah, absolutely, man. I've definitely gone through my own trials and tribulations in this life. And um, I've always been like a lone wolf, kind of. Like I've never really, <clears throat> I've never really f like followed other people. I've always kind of been the one to lead people, even against my own, <laughs> my own wishes, really. Like all throughout my life, I've always kind of had to step into the role of a leader um, in my family, in my friend groups, and even out just out there in the world. And, um, so I've always kind of had to be ahead of the game, ahead of, ahead of uh, the struggles in life, not just for myself, but for the people around me that need me and depend on me. And luckily, I've never really had an addictive personality. I've gone through some very dark times in my life with drugs and alcohol, but I kind of always had it in my, the back of my mind that this was a temporary thing. Like, okay, I'm going to allow myself to go through this for a certain amount of time, but we got to cash out. We got to pull out. We got to like hit the ejector button before things get too crazy. And one example of that was uh, back in like 20, 2018-ish uh, when I was going through like the worst time in my life, hopefully ever, uh, was at the very bottom, lost. And I was going through a divorce, got kicked out of the apartment was back on my parents' couch, had zero dollars in my bank account, had like nothing going for myself. This was before Esoteric Eddie. Um, <clears throat> I was not a plumber yet. The only thing I had going stuff was that I was in a garage band with my friends, which was the only thing keeping me alive at that time. I was, uh, yeah, I was just drinking a lot. I would just drink and go to sleep. And then I was just waiting to practice. That's the only thing I wanted to do is just when band practice day came up, that was the only thing I was excited about. Every other day was a blur. You know, but, um, man, I know that far too well. <laughs> yeah. But at that time I was like 23 and at that time I had already done psychedelics and I, 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 I had already actually been homeless before that when I was younger. Um, and at that time I had already gone through so many other things in my life. So even going through that, I knew who I was and I knew what I was capable of. I was just allowing myself to kind of go through the grief and allowing myself to walk through hell, but always every day keeping in my mind that like, okay, Eddie, like at one point we're going to have to like stop this. And luckily what that point was for me is when I found plumbing 
when I found plumbing or, or when plumbing found me, really, that's when it kind of all opened up and I was like, okay, now I see the pathway. Now I see where I'm supposed to go. And so I just had to mature, you know, and, and kind of just put all these things away and put them to the side and slowly start to reprogram my mind. And I did that through meditating. And actually I got to thank one of my older brothers for that because, and he, he's got a really dark story. I mean, like an actual drug uh, actual a person who's actually battled with real severe drug addiction and and the prison system and everything, but at that time we were both back at our parents' house, you know, dealing with our craziness. But he actually got me back into meditation, and he was at a much lower place than I was in life. But he again is, is similar to me; has always had that 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 subconscious, that higher self, that somehow miraculously miraculously was always able to come through. And, and we were always able, willing to listen to it here and there. So every day or every other day, he'd be like, hey, let's go for a run. Let's go. Let's go meditate. So luckily I had him to like get me out of the house to go go for runs and go meditate in the forest. And slowly but surely, once I found plumbing and I'd already been meditating and exercising, I was ready. And so it's important to always, no matter what you're going through in life, if I may give the advice to at least exercise you know, keep yourself busy with work, meditate if you can. And no matter what you're going through, always check in with yourself and make sure you're telling yourself that what you're going through will end at some point and make plans for it to end. You know, make plans for what you're going through to come to some kind of ceremonious closure. And when you're ready to move on to getting back to your higher self. This too shall pass is what you just made me think of. But Man, that was, yeah, that was incredible. I could relate to you so much, brother. Um, I And I was on Ellie's Speed Bump show. She doesn't talk about conspiracy. She is a conspiracy theorist, but she brings people on to talk about personal stories. And, and she knows that I've had uh, battles with alcohol throughout my life. And, and she was like, well, if you, if you know you can quit, then why do you let it get so bad? And I was like, oh, well, I have a great answer for that. It's like usually induced by something that is really traumatic for me that I, I just don't want to face. And um, at most times I can see that guardrail coming and, and then I just pull over and, and fucking I'll sleep it off before I go over the edge. Right. But like yeah. there, there has been instances where I've lost somebody really close to me or you and like, not even just dying, just like, uh, through all this shit that we've all been going through lately and just losing really close people to you through dumb fucking differences and shit like that, you know? And um, uh, I see, I've seen the guardrail coming and said, fuck it and hit the gas. Um, but I've always been able to, I'm not dead is what I'm saying. You know, like, yeah, I have a good job. Um I have, I have a really nice roof over my head. You know, I'm, I'm going to see my daughter graduate tomorrow. Like life is good. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so, yeah, I can totally relate to you brother because I get, I've, I've been there before. That is awesome that you've had your brother there to, to kind of like be your mentor in a way. Right. So like what you, you said that um, plumbing found you and this is totally just, not even conspiracy, but I'm interested in you, brother. So like what, uh, how did that come about? Yeah, for sure, man. So I was going through that, that dark night of the soul 
um, had very little going on for myself. And at the time I was actually going to school studying to be a history teacher. But I remember just after like three years of community college, just walking out one day and never going back um, just because I felt it was too slow. It just wasn't for me. And uh, the job that I had at the time was being a horse stall cleaner. So I was cleaning about 20 horse stalls a day, a lot of times with the horse in there. So I had to learn like uh, a horse's body language and stuff like that. And so that was interesting. But I eventually even quit that job and it was just at the bottom. And um, I knew I knew just by listening to my dad and just different things that I seen in my life that, you know, at that when all else fails, you know, it's either going to be the military or a trade, you know, that's, that's what I knew at that time. That's all I knew. It was like, well, if I'm at the bottom, I can always count on the military or a trade. And so I had another friend who, a uh, close friend of mine who was at kind of in the same situation. And we both kind of made a little pack, like, Hey man, let's get into the trades. And I didn't really know what trade it was going to be, but I saw an ad on Craigslist that said, um, looking for plumbers, no experience needed. And I was like, well, shit, I have zero experience. So I meet the requirements. And so, uh, yeah, I basically got the job there. It was, uh, there was a big company from Los Angeles, um, building custom homes in San Diego where I was. And a lot of the guys were driving back and forth, having to pay for hotels and stuff. So they just kind of needed some extra help locally to kind of lighten the load on them. And so I showed up, I didn't, I knew nothing about plumbing, absolutely zero. I didn't even have any tools. They gave me my first set of tools, like five or so tools. I used to show up to work with my hammer, like uh, through my loop belt or my belt loop uh -huh. with like my channel locks and screwdrivers in my back pocket and stuff. I didn't know anything. Um, and the funny thing is too, my first supervisor was a dude named Mario, Mario the plumber. <laughs> he was <laughs> Yeah, he was hilarious. And so I was out there, man, just every day. It felt so good, too, because I was so used to just drinking and being on the couch and just hating everything. So to wake up early and have a purpose and, and go out there and build these houses in the fresh cold of the morning with, with all these other like motivating guys, it felt good. And the older guys were always telling me, you know, stick to it, man. Trust me, stick to it. Like it's going to change your life. And they were telling me the money that they were making. And I was just blown away. Like, you guys are making this much money. There's no way. This is like doctor money, lawyer money. And at the time I was making 13 an hour and, you know, not to flex or anything, but I'll let you know, like my income has at the very least quadrupled from that, you know, and, and even more better than that, I've reached a level where I'm actually self-employed now. And I'm, I'm now I'm giving my friends work and I'm giving back to my friends and my family. And so to go from zero on the couch to self-employed and, and giving back to my friends and my community is, I knew it's what I had to do. Man, that is incredible. I think this is my favorite part of the show is hearing that story. Like I've, I've heard your book and everything. And, and so like just hearing that about you, that makes me love you that much more, man. That is so incredible. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So that's awesome, man. You're giving back to your friends now. Now they're going to have a trade now. And then they can pass it on to people. That's what, that's what gives me hope for humanity, man, because I've been, you know, the things that we look at and then you talk to people and then people are like, I don't have any hope for humanity, you know, like, and, it, and it's just that negative energy and I'm an empath anyway. So like, if people have negative energy, man, I absorb that shit and I try to get away from them as fast as I can. <laughs> and like, but yeah. 
So, all right. Well, it's going to be hard to break away from that, but I really want to know about the three parts of ourself. Mm-hmm. So the three parts of ourself. Um, so we have the, the mind and the body, right? And again, the body has all these different components and the mind has at least two components, the subconscious and the conscious. And we are, we were built like this, you know, on purpose by whoever our creator was. And, you know, there are a lot of different religions and cultures and stuff like that, that try to explain God and who God is and whatnot. And for me, if we really want to know what God thinks or what God expects of us, all we have to do is look at nature because nature to me is God's direct expression. You know, nature and which includes us is the only thing that is not man-made. It is being blossomed every day in front of us miraculously from God. So if you want to know what God thinks or expects, look at nature. And we know that God expects us to uh, struggle. Everything in nature struggles before it fully blossoms. And we know that God expects us to go through cycles. Everything in life is cyclical. And I also think that God has it intended for us to evolve and progress to a point where we finally fully understand who it is and who, what, who we really are. And I think that's evident in our bodies. Um, for example, we have autonomic functions in our body, our breathing, our heart beating, stuff like that. Um, healing, you know, when we cut ourselves, our body just heals at will. And a lot of scientists have been studying this for, for many years. One in particular who I point out in the book, Michael Levin, um, has been studying self-healing through uh, experimenting with like different uh, tadpoles and stuff like that. And he's actually been able to conduct this strange experiment in which tadpoles grow an extra eyeball. But the, re the way he did it is what's fascinating. What he realized is that, is that the self-healing or the self-growing that happens in the embryonic stage process um, is, is not a genetic process, but it's a bioelectrical process. And so whatever bioelectricity is, you know, that etherical uh, phenomena, it's what actually creates life. And he was able to basically download or basically recreate the bioelectrical input of what an eyeball growth pattern is in a tadpole. So he was able to look at that bioelectrical pattern and then reconstruct it with lasers and shine it onto a growing tadpole and actually make an extra, extra eye grow by taking that pattern. And so what this tells us is that theoretically, we have the ability to self-heal. We have the ability to maybe one day cut our arm and regrow it at will. Uh -oh. In a practical sense, we could maybe get rid of cancer at will. We could maybe induce you know, certain parts of our body to go and attack that cancer. And I think that our, our creator intended that for us. And another example of this would be um, our cerebral spinal fluid. So we have a, a fluid channel that runs from our brain and around our brain all the way down our spine to our sacrum, right at the uh, bottom of your spine. And this cerebral spinal fluid is responsible for discarding viruses, uh, bacteria, 
and also disseminating, you know, beneficial proteins and stuff like that throughout the body and brain. And along with the cerebral spinal fluid, we have what is called the, the vagus nervous system, which also follows that same channel from the brain all the way down through the internal organs. And both of these, if activated, can induce self-healing and can send information throughout the entire body to induce um, these autonomic functions like breathing and healing and stuff like that to act at our at our will. And the, the crazy thing about this is that the mystics, in specific, the yogis, the, the yogic masters, have been doing this for thousands of years. That's what yoga and meditation is. Yoga is is sitting in certain postures and doing certain practical techniques to activate the cerebral spinal fluid and the vagus nervous system. And meditation does the same thing. And so what they've been trying to achieve all these years is to is to live in a constant state of having these channels activated so that they can use their mind to then tell their different parts of their body to act at their will. And that's why we have these fascinating stories of uh, yogic masters being able to do all kinds of crazy things. I can think of one and you're, and you're probably going to be like, no, that was the monks. But I watched this video when I was, this was like right before nine 11. So I was super young and it was a buddy of mine. And it was, I, it was even in a VHS tape, I think was showing me it was either yogis or monks sitting Indian style and able to make snow melt around them. And they were just like in, in their just basic cloth and, and I was like, that's impossible and watching that. And then they would get in pits with like tigers and shit and just you know, not even, it was just insane. Or is that the same? That's yoga. Yeah. 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 Monks, yoga, yogis. I mean, they're all utilizing the same science, you know, basically tapping into those, that, that spirit and mind connection. Yeah. It's all, it's all the same. Okay. And I have another question because when you were saying about that, I was thinking like, now I don't, I'm not full on board with Tartaria, but there's a lot there and I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. And I think that there is a lot to maybe these like uh, energy healing buildings that we're seeing with like the mercury towers and the gold and there's always water and everything. And I'm wondering if these things together, if you were to go into these buildings and feel this energy would actually get those two systems working together in conjunction like you're talking about. And yeah, I think that's just, you know, hypothesizing. No, I think that's exactly what they were for, you know, and in my book, I kind of cover uh, a little bit of Monroe's work with Hemisync. And again, Robert Monroe was um, he was a radio broadcaster who was later turned uh, a mystic who realized that the two hemispheres of our brain, the left and the right hemisphere, they function for different reasons and are basically doing their own thing individually. But he realized that if you wash over, wash them over with certain frequencies, you know, if you listen to certain frequencies and meditate to certain frequencies, you can get these two hemispheres to link and, and start to think and, and vibrate in, in harmony. And when you do that, you start to unlock some things in the brain that can allow you to astral project and lucid dream and transcend this reality into other dimensions. And so maybe all of these Tartarian uh, era buildings and structures and whatnot were doing the same thing, you know, maybe just keeping us instead of in a reptilian brain network, keeping us 
in a higher self network. Man, that would be, it's awesome to think about. It's like utopia. I would love to have lived in that time age if it is real. Um, yeah. But, um, shit, 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 shit. I was gonna, I hate dead air, but I, I'm trying to think of what I was gonna ask you based off. Oh, uh, another system that I've been recently getting into. And I think it's uh, funny that doctors don't even know about this a system that's highly functional in your body. Have you looked into the cannabinoid, cannabinoid, cannabinoid system at all? A little bit. It, it actually is. I mean, it's interesting, right? It's crazy how we even have like receptors all throughout our body. You're, you're talking about like the, for cannabis, like the cannabis. Yeah. yeah system, you have, like, you have cannabis uh, receptors all throughout your body. It's almost like it, it is an essential part that we're supposed to be. Um, it's supposed to be a part of us. So I've been really fascinated with that. And I'm wondering like if that was like the whole push for uh, the whole, what was that movie that came out that in the, is like an old movie. It was like the first for madness. Yes, man. I'm wondering if like that was Rockefeller's push uh, to get everybody on, you know, to not look at that. His first push to really get people to stop looking at homeopathic cures and remedies and herbs and everything is like no 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 no. take my petroleum shit yeah man yeah like bob marley says or really like the bible says you know herbs are for the healing of the nation you know for sure man yeah the cannabis has a lot of amazing properties i mean i've had an, an interesting relationship with it all throughout my life but i still incorporate it for sure you know and i think uh Again, if we look at nature, we can see what God thinks and expects. And cannabis doesn't kill, you know, definitely doesn't kill. And it's helped me in many, many ways and can help the body in many ways if if we use it properly and with respect for sure. Yeah, absolutely, man. Just watching some of these videos of these men with Parkinson's disease and just shaking uncontrollably and not even 10 minutes, 20 minutes into it. They're just completely relaxed on the couch. It's like, it's incredible. And that really hits home to me because I had, um, I had an ex fiance. We were together for like six years and I watched her dad get really bad with Parkinson's disease. And I'm like, yo, give him some weed. And she's like, my mom won't let me. I'm like, just do it. Just like take him out for a drive and give him weed. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, does she do it? No. I I wish she would have, but yeah, it would have changed everything. It would have been a game changer because if he would have came, if she would have did that and then brought him home and her mom would have seen how he was acting, she would have thrown all of her, all of her pre notions out the window. And, and I think that's the problem with this central reality that we live in and these freaking archons that are around us all the time. That is their job to constantly keep us from the truth and keep us from what is truly going to be beneficial from us. You know, you were saying like we should be able to um, focus on an area of cancer and just get rid of it. But, you know, we already have that even without being able to do it with our mind. Um, If you park your car to go get radiation, I guarantee you there's probably two or three weeds that you just walked by that is going to help you out way more than whatever they're going to do to you in that freaking room that you're about to walk into. Yeah, man. And it's funny too, because everything, everything that we do, we're just trying to like emulate nature. 
you know, and some of the things that we do uh, when we incorporate nature are, are amazing. You know I mean? When we use our human intellect and our, our it, it's cool what we can do, you know, and our, and our creator designed us to be that way, you know, to be the dominant benevolent force in this universe. So it's cool when we can incorporate human innovation with nature, but it's not what we're doing for the most part. You know, we're trying to just, we're just trying to like kick nature out of the picture, you know, out of it and, and take credit for everything and all these different weird things, these sinister things. But, but yeah, man, you're right. You know, we already have the abilities, the capability to do all this stuff specifically with our human innovation, you know, but we're just not respecting nature well enough to incorporate it into our businesses and our modern life. Yeah. And it's just sad too, because if our central reality wasn't focused on all of these things, what a beautiful place it could be, which is why I think so many truthers took Tartaria and just said, fuck yeah, I'm all in is because it, it just sounded like such a beautiful thing. Just like Q man. It was like walking by a fucking candy store. For, for a truther, it's, it had everything we wanted. It's like it talks about all these things, and there's a good guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I never really looked at it that way, but but you're right, man. It kind of was like this like past. It was almost like an Atlantean thing, like an Atlantis story. And the New Agers love Atlantis. That was kind of like the Tartaria before Tartaria, you know, because it's like, man, we used to be so great. Like, we can get back to that. That's kind of funny. I, I never thought of it that, about it that way. Yeah, it's still fun, man. I still love both of those rabbit holes. And I and I love how, because uh, I, I held on to Q. I mean, I went full Q-tarded for so long. And I held on to it for as long as I could. <laughs> yeah. And then I jumped off. I jumped off. But I still follow some of my friends that are still fully on board. And it's fun to listen to them. Like, you know, like, it's, I like what, listening to Joel Thomas uh, be like, mm-hmm man and then you got to do this and then this and then like I, and i'm like yeah dude i did sound fucking stupid didn't i but <laughs> also listen to some of these things that that's happening right now and i'm like oh shit that is a q drop right now so i'm like i i hope it's true but it's not uh, yeah. i don't know but let's get back into some crazy crazy shit um yeah uh in in everything that you were talking about you know with the um with the way that things are created and it's all mathematics and uh, like you do bring in the Fibonacci sequence and everything. And I've noticed that people started talking about something that I noticed when I was a young kid, because I moved around a lot and I had to start new schools all the time. And I noticed that there was always the same people in these schools. There was always like the fat, funny kid. And then there was always every single it seemed like every school there was like that person. And yeah. and then so I've heard it described differently recently in the truther community is people are saying uh, human templates. And I'm like, oh, man, that totally makes sense with this entire book. Mm, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. There's, I've actually noticed that too. This is something just like a personal observation that I've made, but I've noticed that there's like, there, there, yeah, there is a human template, but even like physically, I've noticed that there are, there are certain faces that are the same, man. Like, it's so weird. Like I'll walk around and I'd be like, these, these people have the same face. And so what I've always wanted to do is get like a hundred people with the same face and put them in a room and just see how they would react. 
Well, Eminem did that already. Remember? Oh, with the with the uh, <laughs> the yeah real, yeah the real Slim Shady thing. <laughs> yeah. Damn, that's actually funny. I got to go back and watch that. <laughs> but but I've noticed that man. In my personal observation, it's kind of creepy. Like, um, like I have friends who and i've found like they're doppelgangers before but like many of them so it's got me thinking what you're saying that there is like a basic human template and it's we're under the under the illusion that there are you know whatever seven to eight billion individuals sure individual souls individual minds but i think there is like a weird like subset of templates that are kind of being regurgitated through the genetic codes or whatever but I that's just like that. I do. Yeah, that... I see it all the time. And I'm like, oh, that's that person. And there's just like slight differences, you know, like even my friend Deplorable Janet, like she has the show De uh, Deplorable Nation. Her mm. husband could be a uh, freaking Tom Green's doppelganger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like that alone just like should trip us out. Like, yeah, there's definitely something with that. But it could just be what I talk about in my book, like the fractal nature of things, you know, and how everything's cyclical um but but yeah man so everything in nature is, is definitely cyclical and it runs off of these fractal patterns and by fractal i mean uh basically it's repeating it repeats and the fibonacci sequence fits into this with uh the fact that when we input the fibonacci numbers into growth patterns whether it's a simulated growth pattern or whatever we find that the Fibonacci sequence numbers uh, create that famous spiral that we see in nature, which you can see in certain flower petals, certain shells, um, you know, galaxies. But it's also in other areas that are not as obvious, like the human ear, for example, kind of has like a weird spiral out. And the, the, the fetus, a fetus is actually kind of a little spiral, if you look at it, like a, a yeah. human fetus kind of has that spiral shape. And also the Fibonacci sequence, um, when inputted as uh, the numbers, the actual number sequence is interesting uh, because the numbers, when input into an equation, create that fractal spiral. But the number sequence itself is also found in nature. And the number sequence is basically um, every number is the sum of the two previous numbers. Right. And so like zero plus one is one, one plus one is two two plus one is three and just keep going. Right. Exactly. And so we see that those number patterns in weird places too. Like, for example, we have like, uh, you know, two arms, two eyes, you know, all these like twos and threes and fives, like a lot of these different weird things. And like the, the amount, the number of ligaments for, for arms, like three. And then we have like three ligaments in our fingers, you know? So it's like all these, these numbers, these subset of numbers and these equations that cause fractals are seen all around us. And so that alone tells me that nature is running off of codes. And again, the fact that we have human templates, you know, people with same faces and stuff like that tells you that this is all running off of codes, repeating codes. And probably the most obvious example of this is the fact that it takes almost exactly nine months for a person to be born, give or take, but the number is roughly nine months. And so that alone is strange. You know, the fact that 
we start off as this little egg, this little circular egg, and then we split off and become this abstract form of a fetus. And then nine months we're born and that happens time and time and time again. I mean, that's a pattern. That's a system that's running off of codes. And these codes go all the way down to our quantum physical level. And so, yeah, man, everything in this universe is running off of a lattice system and all of it uh, with the mind and body systems is the crystal lattice mind illusion all right man we don't have much time left you've you crushed it right there like and i have yeah you crushed it right there it's and there's so much to take in and it, with everything but with everything that you're saying this is the biggest question that i had for you and it's with what these uh parasitic elite freaking i don't know what they are archons fucking nephlin whatever they are they they want to be able to harness reality and put it into something is that even fucking possible i mean can we even describe what reality is and where it comes from so like with your book it it may it gave me more hope i'm like these fuckers they got cern they're doing all that they're gonna do it they're gonna fucking do it and then with your book i'm like there's no fucking way these people are going to figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah. Basically what they're trying to do is what, you know, the Bible and the Judeo Christian uh, prophets and advocates have been trying to warn us about. And what they're trying to do is basically trap our souls because to me, the consciousness a consciousness and the soul are synonymous. But what they're going to find is that it's impossible. It's the, it's, it's impossible. It's one of the most difficult things to do. And that's why they're trying very, very hard to find a way to do it, to put the, a human mind into something. It's almost impossible. You would have to, I don't know. You would, you would definitely have, you have to break the very code that that sustains all of this they could and do they could make us uh they could put us under the illusion of that you know with vr headsets and things like that and and whatever but they could never actually take our consciousness they could never actually take our soul and put it in something but the vulnerability that we have in the only window of opportunity that they have is to break the connection or to mediate the connection between the mind and the body because we are two things in this reality a mind and a body but ultimately all we are is a mind but in this reality we have to deal with both of those parts it's like i like this example you know it's like it's like a turtle in its shell you know a turtle can have a uh, altered shell but the turtle is not the shell. The turtle simply has to live within the confines of the shell. It's the mm. same thing. We are the turtle. The mind is the turtle. The shell is the body. And so the only way they can actually uh, steal our soul or steal our consciousness is by breaking the, the connection or mediating the connection between our mind and our body. And that is why it's important for us to maintain that connection and to strengthen it. Woo! 
esoteric eddie everybody that was fucking fire brother let everybody know where they can go find your stuff absolutely man uh thank you for having me again uh you can find me on instagram at esoteric eddie you can find my youtube my books and some other cool merch all on my website at esotericeddy.com. Fuck yeah, dude. That was so dope. You are welcome back anytime. I would love to fucking talk to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the man himself, motherfucking Esoteric Eddie. You know what it is. Keep digging down those rabbit holes. I would never bend my knee to Satan I would never sell myself with no paper You can go ahead and call me a hater But I'll go ahead and call you a traitor Hey, Hollywood is getting cancelled I put God over financials Just know that I never kill myself If they try to use me as a damn example Hey, first Lil Nas, now Sam Smith Satan coming for the damn kids These rappers and singers are puppets The second the label give them their advances God is forgiven We were all made in his image That's why he told me to remix this Every nation demoralization While we celebrating what people are sinning Don't care if you trans Nah, oh, you a man who in love with a man But if you're gonna cover your nipples with tassels And leave the kids alone and just do only fans I just can't stand all the lies of the media Pushing these kids, they ain't standing a chance Hollywood pushes agendas with all of these artists I swear that they industry's plans All of these fallacies that they're preaching this way That there's no more objective reality Go ahead, laugh at me But I think that you worship and saying is more of a tragedy They sold out our nation for more dough That's why I don't watch award shows Celebrity puppets, we're living in luxury All of our business will force close Allah Jehovah Hashem Yahweh, you can call him whatever you do, but worshiping Satan with the purpose of angering God, well, that's just gonna make you a fool.